1: Is going on, Colts Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guy, Derek Larger, with you. And today, guys, we have a very special guest, a good friend of ours and fellow Colts content creator himself, JDW Sports Talk Show. My guy, how you doing today?
2: What's going on, Derek? What's going on, Colts Family and, and Bring the Juice Nation? Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on some of the top dogs podcasts in the Colts community and we enjoy watching them, and I enjoy being on here with them. So,
1: yeah, that's all I really got for me. Let's <laughs> let's just get going. All right, sweet. Hey, also just wanted to say before we got started with this Colts Nation, uh, I got to show something off here because this is really cool. I'm sure that if I show this to the camera, a lot of people are immediately going to know exactly what this is. This is a piece of turf from the RCA dome that was purchased by my wonderful girlfriend. Uh, She bought this just the other day and uh, it was actually a piece of the RCA dome that was game used from one of the games from Peyton Manning's rookie year. I know, I don't know where she got that information from, but I'm sure she has it somewhere. It's not on this specific certificate, but I know that wherever she got it from did have it. So I now own a piece of the RCA dome. uh, So that was really cool. So shout out to her. Greatly appreciate that. Definitely keeping that uh, here by the desk for a while. But uh, anyways, let's hop into uh, this video. And guys, we're going to continue this series. You guys have been watching. And if you've seen this, we just got done with the wide receivers and the tight ends a few days ago. Uh, Now it's time to go digging into the trenches here. And we're going into the offensive line and there is a lot to talk about here JDW with this uh offensive line unit you know this was a unit that basically 3 years ago was widely deemed as maybe the best offensive line unit in all of the National Football League and and even still for as bad as they were last year you ask a lot of people in the national media and they will tell you That they all feel the same way and that, you know, this Colts offensive line unit is still top tier despite how terrible it was last year. Go ahead and kind of give me a rundown last year, like what your feelings were about this offensive line from the 2022 season.
2: I think we're all going to have similar feelings for the offensive line from last year. It didn't help that we had quarterbacks that just cannot move Matt Ryan. So, Mallinger was able to move a little bit. But other than that, guys that can't move didn't help the offensive line. And the offensive line was so inconsistent, you know, considering, you know, the communication and, you know, all the talent and all the money we're paying it. So, we really need that money to shine through this year. And we already know Chris Ballard's already on the hot seat. And if he can't get this room going, the room that he preaches about, the room that he spends all of his money on, then he's going to be in some serious trouble as well. And this offense line is going to be vital to Anthony Richardson and his development. And don't forget, considering Anthony Richardson is such an elite athlete, this helps the offense line in a huge way because this makes the defensive line and defense have to stay more disciplined so they can't just go all willy nilly and go after a quarterback that just has bricks for feet. You know, Anthony Richardson can move, make you miss, he can shed off tackles. So, in general, last year the offense line was pretty bad, but You know, this year I have high hopes for it, but I'm not getting my hopes up too high because we've gotten our hopes up quite a bit over these last few years. This year I'm keeping my hopes pretty mellow. I'm going to wait and see what we get before I get too excited.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, last year we saw, I mean, this team went from a really good offensive line to, you know, for the first half of the season last year by all measures, was the worst offensive line in of football, which is so weird given the money that you're uh, investing in this unit. How much of that do you believe was a indication on the previous O-line coach and Chris Strauser uh, versus what we have now? Because I will remind everyone that when Chris Strauser came into the building back in 2019... That Colts offensive line was deemed by every single analyst, the best offensive line in football by every metric. And then for the most part, that core has remained the same. Quentin Nelson's still there. Ryan Kelly is still there. Braden Smith is still there. So you do have three of your five guys still in that position that they needed. And then, of course, as the years have gone on, every single year the Colts' offensive line has continuously gotten worse. Do you think that it was a mixture of the guys that were missing from the offensive line throughout the years, or do you think it had more to do with the coaching as it went along?
2: I think it was more so the head coaching you know, and the culture and just the way the culture faded. When a culture fades and when the head – coach fades, you know, and you have a new leader every single year at quarterback, the most important position on the field, and, you know, the head coach is the same thing over and over again, nothing changes, I think it's very difficult to continue, to continue to play and practice at a high level when, you know, the people around you, the people are supposed to be leading you, aren't, you know, they don't have confidence themselves, they don't really, you know, they're not there, and it's very difficult to go out there and put your bodies on the line, put your heart out on the line for someone that's not even showing you emotion on the field and Frank Reich, that was his issue. So I don't think it was offensive lines coach. You know, I don't think it's all his fault, but at the end of the day, these players do have to go do have to go out there and that's the offensive lineman's coach responsibility. So but I think it really impacted them. I think the culture and the way last year fell, I think that really impacted in how they played. Yeah, they started bad, but they never even As the season went on, like the second half of the season, they got better, but it wasn't like substantially better. It was much better, but it's not saying much for how bad they were. I just think that they needed a voice. They needed a leader, and hopefully with Shane Steichen, they regained that because they didn't have that nastiness last year. I think when you have heart, when you want to play, that's when the nastiness comes out. That's when the passion comes out on the field. You need someone to... Make you want to play with that passion on the field and not just go out there and just say, Oh, here we go again. It's another game. We're gonna score ten points and we're just gonna let it go at the end. No, now you have a voice. Now you have someone that knows where they're going. They have direction. So I think having a different mindset and having different attitude is gonna make a huge difference. Not just the heck, you know, not just the coaching, but obviously it's important. But it's very important to want to go out there and want to go out there and put your bodies on the line and heart on the line for someone that loves the game. I'm I'm not saying Frank didn't love the game. I'm just saying that someone that is going to lead you, you know, in a way Frank Reich just didn't the last couple of years.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Well, I mean, I think that it is a mixture of a ton of different things. I mean, I think it was a, a huge combination of just... Every single aspect of the, of everything. I think yeah, it all I had agree. a lot to do with it. I don't think that the coaching had as much to do with it. I think it had some, no doubt. I mean, when you, when you don't feel like you're fighting really hard, not only for, you know, the guy that you're blocking for, but on top of it, the guy that, you know, is supposed to be leading your team. I mean, people keep saying like, these are grown men. They don't, they don't need a uh, direction. I mean that's not true. I mean these guys, I mean these are some people that are some of the guys that are on this football team are younger than me and I'm I'm 26. So like I mean I'm I'm older than about maybe like 30% of this Colts roster right yeah, now. Roster. So I mean like and and I still need direction every once in a while in my life. I mean not it's not there's never a point in age where you become incapable of taking direction and accepting guidance from people, especially in a professional sports world. I mean, where that is totally needed. And of course, you know, Chris Strauser has a lot to do with it. It was it was just a mirage. I mean, you saw times where guys like Ryan Kelly who were blocking no one who were blocking concepts that just looked like he, like he didn't understand how to block someone anymore. It's like, it's like, what is going on? What? Like, it wasn't to the point where just guys were getting beat. Like it was to the point where these players were blocking gaps that no one was going into. And like, they had no idea. But, like, it was like, like peewee football. It's like, The coach tells you to block this gap. I don't care if someone comes in on the other gap. You just block this one. Like, that's how it looked to me at times. And, of course, this is where I shift to the player side of things because I think the player side is more efficient in this regard because, well, for one, I mean, of course, we had the debate uh, last year, JDW. We had that sort of talk where who was more to blame? Was it the quarterback more to blame with the offense being as bad as it was? Or was it the offensive line that was as bad as it was? Uh, I think they both played hand in hand, but obviously the offensive line I thought was worse because, you know, they were giving up five sacks a game on average for the first eight weeks of the season. I mean, that's, that's horrendous. So I'm not even going to, I'm definitely going to say Matt Ryan deserves some blame, but I mean, that offensive line was not blocking anyone last year. And I mean, you even have to take what Quentin Nelson said a month ago. And he talked about how just it didn't feel like anyone was fighting for anyone back there, which is so weird because for so for at the very beginning when, you know, Nelson got there and uh, when Braden got there, that unit came together. It came together a lot and that just felt like the unit was all together and it just feels like that unit hasn't been together yet. And I mean, I get it that some players have, you know, moved on and, you know, you're bringing in some new pieces, but guys like Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, like those guys shouldn't need motivation to like Work together as a unit. Those guys have been together literally for five years. So I mean, it's it's like almost to the point where there shouldn't be an issue of cohesiveness with each other. There shouldn't be that. And then, you know, I think the one thing we definitely have to talk about is, you know how the offensive line, and this is where I shift blame away from the offensive line a little bit. And I think everyone can kind of agree. Chris Ballard was at a big fault in why this offensive line went the way it was. He neglected to do anything with the offensive line last offseason and said, we're just going to roll with what we have. You know, Matt Pryor, you know, filled in really well last year at right tackle and right guard in 2020. uh, I think it was 2021. Yeah. Filled in the role really well in 2021. And then you thought, even if you lost Glowinski and a couple others, you still thought that, you know, a guy like Will Fries or Danny Pinter could still be serviceable enough that there wouldn't be a huge drop off. Well, unfortunately, there was a huge drop off in both positions and more more so where Matt Pryor was, because I think Matt Pryor by week six, I think they said, was the literally like the second worst uh, offensive lineman in the entire NFL last year uh, a from a pure pass blocking perspective. So, I mean, you even saw, we saw what it happened in Denver. They, they had to move him to the inside just to limit how bad he could be and had to start their, uh, their left tackle that they got in the third round in Bernard Ryman because they had no other choice. So they had to throw him out there because that was their best option. Even if he wasn't ready, that was their best option. So, I mean, with, when you lost Anthony Costanzo, a lot of things went bad for them, man. A lot of things went bad for him. He was a stable piece of that left tackle position. And when he retired, uh, he, he left a massive hole. And Chris Ballard has, you know, failed to fill that role until now. So... I wonder uh, how much do you blame Ballard for the lack of offensive uh, line production last year?
2: This man is so damn stubborn. He wants his own guys to win every single time. And I get it. I like that. I like that he's loyal to his own guys, but the NFL is a business. And if you're just going to say throw them in there, throw them in the fire, and hope they're going to be good, sometimes that's not enough. Like watching Danny Pinner last year, oh, dear God, please. I, I don't even want to talk about it. I never want to see him at right guard again. Never. Never want to see Matt Pryor on the line again. You know, I'm okay with Will Fries. I can deal with Will Fries. I think he's much better than Danny Pinner. Not anything elite, but I think he's so much better than Danny Pinner. Danny Pinner's just horrible. It was weird cuz Danny Pinner was like a decent backup center. You put him in a guard and he's a completely different player. I think he could still be a good backup center, but I don't but he hasn't proven that he could be a guard. Uh
1: who else were we going on about? Did you ask me about? Was really it really that we were talking about Matt Pryor and all those guys? I mean, that was yeah. pretty much it for the most part.
2: Yeah, I I still lose my tranth of, of Noah like crazy, but um, yeah, that offense line, really the guard position. You know, Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard did a horrible, like, did a horrible job because he's so naive. Like, he just doesn't pay attention to. Well, I'm not saying he doesn't pay attention. It's just that he's so stubborn. Like. The receiver position, for example, last year. But the second week, we had two or three of our top guys go out. Yeah, he didn't sign anyone. Like, he doesn't show any urgency. That's that's how I feel about it with Ballard. I think he's too stubborn and sticks with Higgins' guys too much. I think you got to realize, sometimes step back and realize and think can this guy legitimately, legitimately be the right guard, or am I just holding on to him because he's my guy?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, we've had the same we've had that same feeling about a lot of things for with ballard and you know obviously last year with the offensive line uh that was the you know big concern with everything going on and the colts really haven't done a ton of offensive line wise i mean they they went and drafted a bunch of uh, young guys at the tackle position so now you have you know tackle depth for the future coming in but you don't have Really, that solid veteran piece there at right guard, yet you're still hoping and banking on Bernard Ryman to, you know, gradually get better. And that kind of leads me to the last point here. When we're going into this year, obviously you have Quentin Nelson who admits that things need to get better. Uh, Ryan Kelly's on his last leg. Braden Smith got a lot better last year as the year went on, seemed to finally get his leg back under him. And of course, you know, Bernard Ryman, who had to go in at left tackle in the last couple of weeks of the season, was playing like a like a top left tackle in the league last year when he finally got, you know, his legs under him as well. And from the reports we've heard is that he's gained 10 to 15 pounds in pure muscle, uh, which is exactly what we said he needed to do in order to, you know, become a more efficient left tackle is, you know, be stronger. And then you have this new coach in Tony Sperano, Jr., who is now going to be your next offensive line coach. So, you know, how do do you think uh, this Colts offensive line unit will produce this year versus how they did last year?
2: I think they're going to be much better, but I wouldn't expect top three, top five. But I would expect an offensive line that's much better, just more cohesive, and just an offensive line that's working together and that has that love for the game back. Now, Ryan Kelly, my thing with him is, is he seems very inconsistent. Like he'll have a few games here where he's like wild. He's very good in the run game, but he does struggle in the passing game sometimes, a little more than the run game. He's a very good run blocker, does struggle in the pass game sometimes. So, uh, I think that's a vital part. The, the center needs to find a way to stay consistent, which he could be. And healthy, that's a big thing with Kelly as well. He needs to find a way to stay healthy. Um, I love Kelly, but he needs to find some consistency. And he's a leader of the the offensive line, in a way. He's got to communicate that. And that was one thing that we kind of noticed last year. Like, you know, you said about the coaching. Like, were they being coached to just block this gap and not block anything else? Or was maybe it a mixture of Ryan Kelly not calling stuff out? And I know Matt Ryan also has to call stuff out, but I think Ryan Kelly still has responsibility to – um, to just communicate throughout the rest of the offensive line. And I think he's gonna be better with that this year because he because I think he's I think his heart and his brain is gonna be in it more rather than worrying about all this stupid outside stuff. Um, and I think just them having a fresh start, having a new leader, I think that's gonna make a big difference. You know, a new offensive line coach of Tony Tony what's his last name? Tony Sperano. Tony Sperano. So having that new leader, having a new voice in the room I think it can make a huge difference, and hopefully Brayden Smith can can stay healthy. That right guard position needs to be figured out. Left guard, big Q, he's got that. Left tackle, hopefully Bernard Ryman can take that next step. PFF is very high on Bernard Ryman, and they think that he can make the next step, and I hope they're right, and I think he could, though, because towards the end of last year, he got much better. He really improved as the season went on, so hopefully he can carry that momentum and take it into next year. Don't forget. Anthony Richardson is going to help immediately as well because those pass rushers, those guys on the defensive line, can't just go all willy nilly and just go crazy and just rush. You know, they got to stay disciplined somewhat because when you're playing quarterback like Lamar Jackson or quarterback that can just run like Richardson, you have to stay disciplined and that helps the offensive
1: line. Yep, absolutely. So. That's going to do it for this one, guys. Let us know your thoughts on this offensive line unit uh, coming into this 2023 season. Let us know your yeah. thoughts on it. I have you guys one more so much. Thing. What was up? So, Blake Freeland, right? You have Bernard Ryman starting
2: the left side. What if Bernard Ryman just doesn't pan out, say he's not playing well, like Freeland steps into that spot. You think Blake Freeland can step in at a high level? Or you think it's going to take him a bit of time?
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: I would have to say it definitely feels like it could take some time. I mean, it's just hard for me to imagine you know, a young guy who was drafted yeah. in the fourth round comes out there right away and does it. I know he's got the huge. massive frame to do it. No doubt. I mean, he's he's huge. I mean, he's huge. He's 6'8", over 300 pounds. So, I mean, you know, just the weight of Bernard Ryman, but about literally four inches taller and probably about six or seven inch arms longer than Bernard, so I mean he's a matchup nightmare, uh, which is you know good for him. But you know it—that's it, the thing. When it comes to a lot of there's a lot of positions in the NFL where young guys can learn on the fly really quickly and can also get destroyed really quickly yeah. and lose a lot of confidence. And O line is definitely one of them uh, because you're facing grown men, and I mean as some of these guys that you face. I mean, you have to face some of the guys who are like, you know, top 10 and top five, top three at their position. And it is no easy task. I don't care how big or how fast or how strong you are. If If you don't have your technique down, I mean, guys like Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and a few of these other boys, I mean, they'll absolutely destroy you. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how big or how strong you are. That's only part of the job. I mean, there's a reason why Bernard Ryman, who last year was outsized by all metrics, was not a great size for a left tackle. But the reason he got better, his technique was good. So he was able to, you know, utilize that. And now that he's gotten stronger, uh, you know, that if he keeps his technique down, then that's going to That's gonna really serve him well as he moves on. But I find it difficult to think that Blake Freeland could go yeah. in there right away in service.
2: Now, for right guard, no, no, hold on. What if we talk about the other side of that scenario? Let's say Bernard Ryman plays great. Do you think we should try and move Blake Freeland over right guard or maybe move Braden Smith in the right guard and then move Freeland out to the right tackle? Do you have any thoughts
1: on that? Um, Well, I mean, we've seen we've seen Braden even last year move into right guard times. I have no problem with moving Braden Smith to that position because of the fact that he that was his former position. I find it more difficult to move a guy like Quentin Nelson who he did play left tackle when he was in high school and a little bit in college, but He has made the name for himself at left guard. That is his primary position. And I find that just, I just don't want to move him from the spot where he is. He has started to have a hall of fame career. So that's where I want to keep him is to make sure he's comfortable. Braden Smith is really good, but he is also a guy that, you know, you feel like if you have enough of a pressing need at right guard, that could be an option. For them. Yeah. But I I highly doubt that they do that because yeah. of the, again you have to you have to trust that Blake Freeland or Jake Witt can go out there and actually right. you know be a right tackle that's serviceable enough and we've seen plenty of teams try and attack the Indianapolis Colts from the work from the weak side of their offensive line and half the time it works so I, I don't yeah. I don't want to put a young rookie in an un in a bad situation like
2: that you think email is gonna step up do you think maybe he can take over that right guard spot he might i mean i know i know you
1: had a video about him um and i know that a lot of people were saying like this is a guy that was projected in the fourth round i mean for a lot of people uh and even the fifth round so the fact that this guy was undrafted is truly insane. Um, I do believe it was the, uh, it was the concern of the injuries that really kept him out, which was kind of the, which was kind of the, uh, story of this entire draft was, you know, guys that, you know, had these lingering injury reports that nobody was really talking about until they didn't get drafted. And, you know, that was certainly one of them, but I mean, talk about a guy that started for three years at Alabama at right at, uh, at the offensive line and, you know, was a part of those great Alabama teams. I mean, it seems it seems very weird that they wouldn't have. And, you know, I, I would say if there's someone that's going to beat somebody out for any position, it seems that one would be the most likely scenario.
2: Yeah, I would hope so. But to think about, just say we do move Brains within the right guard, We'd be paying our guards almost what Smith is being paid like 17 a year? Something like that, right? I think it's eighteen, yeah. We would be paying our guards almost 40 million year. That just sounds like crazy to me, but that's that's kind of the last thing I want to throw in there. Just a little fun fact, I guess. But yeah. You have any you know, I think that's it for me.
1: Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this one, guys. Let us know your thoughts on this unit. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, go Colts. Go Colts.